Let's spread a song so you can sing along with a special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I hope that's what the one we're doing today. I'm your host, John, and with me today is my co-host from Movie Deja Vu, the other podcast that we have, and she's just freaking awesome. It's Shady, everyone. Oh, that was such a nice thing to say. I mean, I did. I also wrote it in my outline to say that she's awesome. I saw that there too, and I was like, that's such a nice thing to write. <laughs> because i thought you just wrote it in there for me to see to gas me nope. up Mm-mm. Aww. Mm-mm. i was just like she's awesome and you've been on here a couple of times i don't remember the last wait miami connection was the last time I, yeah, you were i was on. gonna say the last one was miami connection for sure but oh boy we're here to talk about the 1975 tv movie it's a bird it's a plane it's superman yes that is the title of it it's also based off of a Broadway show. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> um, the screenplay there was the screenplay was adapted by Romeo Mueller, based on the libretto by David Newman and Robert Benton. Music by Charles Strauss. Welcome back. Uh, lyrics by Lee Adams. Directed by Jack Regas. Regas. Your guess is as good as mine. Awesome. And uh, and nobody has corrected me, so I think I'm always <laughs> right. Uh, and according... <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> yes. And according to IMDb... I am, whoa, wrong place. <laughs> according to IMDb, uh, this is a TV adaptation of the campy 1960s Broadway musical about the Man of Steel, his friends, his enemies, and his self-image problems. Shady. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know this existed. I did, but not as, I didn't know there was a TV movie of it. Like, I, I did not know that there was any sort of audio-visual recording of it at all. Um, and I was thrilled when you told me that there was, and then you sent me the YouTube Wait, link. did you just pick this because (laughs) yeah I kind of picked it because you mentioned that there was a tv movie and that you had it on your list and I was kind of like I did oh fuck I met I oh this is this is one that you picked I mean you didn't pick it out for me you just mentioned it as one that you were planning on doing that you didn't have anyone for yet and I was like I would do that oh (laughs) god I don't remember how I I heard of this then yeah it wasn't from me because like <laughs> i literally just watched it today I did too. yeah i watched it like two hours ago i just <laughs> i gotta say though i was laughing the whole time however towards the end i was so i was like a little laughing fatigued that i was just like <laughs> you got you, I, you are bonkers yes but i can't laugh right now at you <laughs> or with you yeah. I would, what it, no, I think it's a whiff. I think it's a strong, it's it's in the vein of the Richard Donner Superman movies, which by the way, I do want to like just put out there that I love Superman as a concept. I read a lot of Superman comics and I love, love, love the Richard Donner Superman movies from the 70s and 80s, uh, even though the ones from the 80s are really bad. 
You mean the ones that were written by Leslie Newman, Mario Puzo, who famously wrote the book version of The Godfather, as well as the people who wrote the stage musicals script, David Newman and Robert Benton. Those four people who created, yes. who wrote for the first <laughs> Superman movie. <laughs> yes. Oh my but God. But this is very in line with especially the first two Superman movies, uh, which are very knowingly campy, very sort of tongue in cheek because the whole concept of those movies and why they still work to this day, even though we're like inundated with other movies sort of living in that shadow of bringing superheroes to the big screen. Uh Um, What works about them is that they know that by the 1970s, when those movies were made, Superman was outdated. So they knew already going into it that this is a story about a man who belongs in the 1930s 1940s and is living in a 1970s world and we're gonna have fun with that uh, without making without making fun of it um (laughs) so they are like very knowingly campy um but in a way that like really works and really helps heighten the actual drama beats i don't think the drama beats in this show or at least this tv movie version of the show are that maybe as strong as the movies no well wait are you you're saying you're saying the um crap what's his name reeves christopher reeve no yeah christopher Christopher reeve yeah you're talking about his movies not this one right right okay um but i do think that this is digging into something similar, less successfully, but it is attempting to dig into like a similar tone. Well, I was wondering if it was in the same vein as if it was supposed to be in the same realm, because you know, all these nowadays with superhero stuff, we're talking about multiverses, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if this is supposed to be in the same universe as the Adam West Batman. I mean, not officially, but like, Tonally, yes. Yeah, tonally, absolutely. Because it is the same thing as the Adam West uh, Batman. You know, that still works to this day because it is working with Batman is a ridiculous concept. So wait a second. Uh, but, but the thing with that is that Batman takes himself seriously. So like, that's why that still works to this day. And this is kind of a similar thing where Superman still takes himself seriously and everybody likes him. Nobody's making fun of him. They're just also kind of like, he's not really like, not outside of just having superpowers. He's just kind of a more wholesome version of uh, a person that we would expect in the gritty 1970s. Well, I mean, okay. So the play itself, the Broadway version uh, premiered on March 29th, 1966. And, uh, you know, Four months later, July, on July 17th, it closed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I read that the show had, the show had 21 songs. So, and the movie had 12, 12 of them. Okay. Um, what if they changed any of the lyrics? I didn't see anything about that. Um, apparently it also received three Tony nominations. <laughs> Great. Best, act, best actor in a musical for Jack Cassidy, who played Max. Best featured actor in a musical for Michael O'Sullivan, who played Dr. Abner Sedgwick. 
And then best featured actress in a musical for Patricia Morand, who played Lois Lane. Okay, so we're talking entirely different cast, and this is oh yeah, well because I mean it's it's a, it's a decade almost. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I wasn't. I left all of the research up to you because this is your podcast, so I left the homework to you. Oh, uh, I can <laughs> I can now go on. Uh, they apparently <laughs> they cut seven characters from the stage version, um, and it looks like a lot of them they have a similar last name um i believe they're supposed to be asian characters by their names alone because there's it's like a ling family l-a-n-g um l-a-n-g or l-i-n-g l-i-n-g okay lana lang is a character from the comics but she's white right Um, well so there's there's joe ling Ming Fu Ling, Father Ling, Tai Ling, Fan Pu Ling, and Dong Ling. Oh boy. They also cut out Perry White uh, and Jim Morgan. Oh, um, Jim yeah. Morgan? Okay. That's strange because one of the things that was strange to me watching this was how many characters I did not recognize from any Superman comics but had sort of similar names or sort of similar roles to characters from the comic. So are you talking about like Max and Sydney? Yeah, like so Max is obviously similar to Lex Luthor, but he reminded me more of Maxwell Lord. Okay, okay. I have a question for you. Okay. I don't know if we've stated this on this podcast. I know on our other one we kind of talked about it, but you're you're like into comic books. You know, yeah. you know more things about comic books than I do. I mean, I could do the research because we are talking through a computer right now. But like, <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. Did Superman have a lot of villains like the ones presented in this movie, a.k.a. mobsters? Uh, mobsters more associated with Batman than with Superman. That's what I thought. Um, but like Superman definitely has fought mobsters before. Um, this is also because this is the 1960s. We're talking about the musical, and then the 70s for the TV movie. So Silver Age, he might have fought more gangsters than mm. more modern stuff uh, that I've read. Um, but that's not famously what he's associated with. But he does like Lex Luthor is his most famous villain his arch nemesis and he is essentially a real estate mogul he's not a super powered person he's like a super businessman i guess it also depends on which version you're watching because i have memories of like them fighting in the animated oh yeah yeah he's yeah and he's got like like, some strength or something yeah yeah he would like fight because he was super rich so he would like build a power suit so that he was strong enough to fight superman so you're saying max is supposed to kind of be him i think he might be somewhat based on lex Luthor and somewhat based on maxwell lord who is kind of okay so maxwell lord if you watch a lot of mainstream superhero movies made in the last uh 20 years or so he was the main villain in Wonder Woman 1984. So he's the Pedro Pascal part. Yes, exactly. Uh, and okay. he is just kind, and he was also a major uh, villain in the Supergirl TV series. 
Um, and he's kind of just a watered down Lex Luthor. Um, okay. where he's a similar thing where he just has a lot of money and power and what's supposed to make that and it doesn't always work if uh, the writing's not there but what's supposed to be interesting is that's a different kind of power than what Superman has and that's a power he can't fight in traditional ways and so then, that's why Lex Luthor is like his arch nemesis and then there's Dr. Abner Sedgwick which I mean, I'm not well-versed in Superman at all. I don't think that's a real character, though. Uh, not one I've ever heard But, of. like, there have been mad scientist characters that he's come across. A dime a dozen, and it's amazing how many of them in the best comic books, in the best tradition of comic books, just have these, like, ridiculously petty goals. Like, just, I want to take over the world so I can punish Sweden. Because they didn't give me a Nobel Prize. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I, I love that plot. I absolutely loved it. It's so comic booky in a way that modern day comic book movies are afraid to go to. I, that's what I want. I want yeah. them to be like, I'm, pe- I'm a petty bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, a, you know, famous like comic book panel that gets passed around a lot these days is one from Spider-Man where there's this one villain who figured out how to turn people into dinosaurs and Spider-Man goes to him and he says, you know, with this kind of like technology, you could cure cancer. You could do all these great things for humanity and you'd be hailed as a hero. And the guy says, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. (laughs) So like, it's so quintessential, especially silver age comics. Yeah. So this is, this is, Stupid. I mean, they they say it in the IMDb uh, tri- uh, summary that it's campy. So, but like, I didn't realize it was this level of camp. I mean, the soft shoe number by the by <laughs> Doctor Abner and Max. I was just like, what is this? I was living for the whole thing. I have to be honest. I did not know what I was getting myself into when I actually started the video. <laughs> And I was like, I I'm sub- actually entertaining for as long as it is. And I, I was entertained beginning to end. Because I, because, okay, so the song we're talking about now is You've Got What I Need, which is the villain. Would you call that their, um, their I Want song? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. You've got what I need. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, I literally wrote down, but like, what the fuck is happening? Are they dating? <laughs> Uh, another another classic comic book trope where you just you just lightly uh, gay bait every character, <laughs> and then the soft shoe number happens, and I'm like, is this really them dating? Are they? Yeah. I mean, I mean, are they just fully like now an old couple? <laughs> <laughs> we get we get another. Oh, what's what's the song that Sydney sings to Clark Kent? That's like a makeover song, basically. Oh, uh, possibility! You you've got, got possibility. possibilities. Yeah, which, that was. Which is okay. I'm gonna. I. I'm not. I didn't remember her name. Hot lips, Sulahan. Like when I realized that that was her, I was just like, "Is she gonna sing?" And then mm. the first song she sings, I was just like, "No." But then the second one, I was like, "We get okay. I get it. Yeah. I get yeah. it now." But but I just I love that there's a whole makeover number in Appar- this in this this TV movie. So that that song, you've got possibilities. 
apparently from the Broadway production became like a, like a nightclub cabaret song because it was played so much, everywhere. It sounded familiar to me, but I didn't want to say it was because I was like, there's probably another show tune that's like a song. Oh, I mean, tune. there was other things I was picking up. I was just like, this kind of sounds like this other song or, yeah. Um, oh yeah, so <laughs> in Ooh, Do You Love You, that is... Uh, hot lips singing again and I was just like so you're a belter okay because <laughs> <laughs> she belts in that one and I was like yeah. ah yes we found it we found yeah. the one you like oh wait I'm trying to think of because Sydney is another character who I've never heard of from any other Superman media but she's Kitty is the name of one of Lex Luthor's girlfriends who shows up in the movies a lot but there's also another one Tess Wanamaker I think is her name Tess sure something. let's go with it Tess, something like that like a, a long last name um that's like a very similar type of personality she also works at the daily planet she's sort of a rival like professional rival to lois lane but like you know she's got she's got more depth than that as a character Shitty. but when yeah. i realized leslie ann warren is in this movie and she played Lois Lane, we're gonna John. we're gonna need at least 12 days to talk about this <laughs> Because what it's a master class in overacting. It's so brilliant. What a brilliant casting choice. She's so funny in such an understated way. Well, because this is after her Cinderella. Yeah. Like way after. It's, yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, because I think I think she was she the 60s? Was she the first one or was it uh no, it was Julie Andrews. Andrews first? Okay, yeah. So she was probably in like maybe five to 10 years before this doing okay, yeah. Cinderella. And That's then right. like, she, uh, I mean, I know Lois, like I've, what, what I've seen of Lois Lane and other properties, she's very like mellow. She is, she is the straight man. She is. It very much depends on which version you're watching because Margot sad. Kidder played her as very good at her job and very professional when it came down to it but like kind of a quirky person i have um amy adams and oh who did it with dean kane oh uh terry pratcher yeah they were very they're the ones that i have in my head as like is that her name terry hatcher terry hatcher yes i combined terry hatcher and terry pratchett because they're the two most famous terry's oh no not right uh but like you know they're the ones that i picture whenever i hear of lois lane you know they're Mm. very they're very calm they're the ones like um they they show affection to superman because it's something unattainable and he's a celebrity and all that and like you know whatever whatever leslie ann warren was doing i just yeah need to re I I am I mean, so happy I found this on YouTube because I will be re-watching the shit out of this. <laughs> yeah, no, she has already shot up to probably one of my top three Lois Lanes ever. Uh I, along with of course Margot Kidder is gonna be hard to beat for me, but she does a very similar thing as Margot Kidder where she plays her as somebody who's sort of <gasps> so good at her job but like it just kind of drives her into a tizzy where you can understand how somebody who's supposed to be smart and competent would also overlook the fact that Clark Kent and Superman look identical. But like her running out of the room shouting, stop the presses. 
at least twice. I think it was only twice, but it maybe was three times. I, but like- They should have done it a third time. It should have been rule the threes. The way that she like prances around the office shouting, stop the presses, stop the presses. And (laughs) what? Brilliant. Brilliant. She's so good. (laughs) She is like, oh my God. I, every time she was on screen, I was laughing my ass off. (laughs) I mean, she was, she was great. And and that's really, that's kind of more the energy I want from, uh, and I love Amy Adams. And I do think she's really good as Lois Lane for what those movies want Lois Lane to be. Yes. But I want kind of the more quirky, almost like, like she just can't see over herself sometimes type of Lois Lane, I think is so much more fun and makes so much more sense as a Superman character. She was like cranking everything up to 20. Amazing. Thousand. Twenty thousand. Like, I mean, I know that everyone on here is like kind of I don't want to say farcical, but like they like they have that tone. Yeah. Well, she was almost playing like I don't even I don't even know what I want to say. Go ahead. Well, I mean, like they were all in that campy mood, you know. It's like we're doing we're having fun, haha. Which I wish I saw the state I could see the stage version from the 60s. They okay, so so. While I'm making one point, I'm going to make another point and drop some okay. trivia here. Um, the The show has been kind of revived numerous times. Uh, since, encores, I know. Yes. Uh, well, let's time travel to 2010 to the Dallas Theater Center. And I love how all, all roads on this podcast lead to Riverdale. Because this is a CW show, which is owned by Warner Brothers, which also owns all the filming rights to DC. So it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Because this 2010 production uh, was re the book was rewritten by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, (laughs) who created Riverdale. Amazing. And also wrote a Riverdale play, but we'll get, I mean, I I think I talk about that at some point. Um, We talked about it on the other podcast. I I mean, I talk about, I bring, we have to bring (laughs) him up. He also wrote the 2013 Carrie screenplay. Yes. (laughs) Um, And he's written a lot. I'm finding this out. He's really very prolific. Yes. Um, But uh, uh, also with this production, uh, songs were cut and there was a reorder and then they added new songs. The encores that you were just talking about in 2013 was this revived, revised version. And then apparently in 2015, okay. it went to the West End. Oh, I should have come to New York. Um, I was in New York in 2015. I could have seen it. I did not. I know somebody who got to see the encores performance in 2013. And I am jealous uh, forever. I mean, it was a limited run at the leicester square theater in the west end uh during february 2015 so maybe Mm. it was only like three weeks or four weeks or something depending on how that but i mean i kind of want to see it i do too i'm because i was thinking so you hear superman musical and 
2022 brain you're like okay so that's like the dc version of spider-man turn off the dark right <laughs> I'm, I'm sure even though it was like decades previous there was some like shitty uh special effect to like have him flying all over the place and like it was actually so much more fun than that like it really well at least this fun. version was yeah I can't we can't speak for the stage version because we haven't obviously we haven't seen it and I, like I, I said hope, there's a whole there's a whole cast of characters that they cut yeah well I mean it sounds like some of them might have uh, uh comic books at that time were very I mean, I mean, different ev- than they are now everything in pop culture was very yellow peril at the time but comic books were like hella into yellow peril at that time it's disgusting yeah. <laughs> in 2022 eyes yes but like they're always there's oh there's always a villain and they're always racist about the villain i'm just gonna say say that and we're gonna move on um if they were the villain long time for a very long time iron man's most popular villain was somebody called the mandarin Mm -hmm. and it was not handled the way it was handled in the movies no (laughs) (laughs) It, it wasn't uh they had had to eventually change him into a shang chi villain for the movies because that was the only way to make it not uncomfortable (laughs) uh but like this version of it i love the fact that the sets are painted because it makes it 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 gives it a comic book feel without like being blatantly obvious yeah it yeah. also without, gives without, me like, actually like putting panel frames up there but like it's very this is a two-dimensional world it also i mean like i did also like that they i didn't sharp it because i don't think it's sharp worthy but i did like um whenever they would go on break there would be like the panels around the what's in the live what's actually happening which that was pretty cool and i was trying to figure out how they did it i did i i don't think i unless it's like a camera very far away from where the action's happening because they weren't really special effects at the time wasn't really the greatest i mean you do see the box that they were lying on because their clothes all of a sudden are flattened on their stomach but (laughs) like there's one point where he's on that box flying and it's really sad because like his chest uh is like not on the box but his stomach is so there's a little indent there and you're like guys (laughs) yeah guys slide him down a little further yeah i mean and we're not just talking about like this is like tv movie effects too so like so it's even cheaper yeah like you can the effects from the 77 movie the richard donner movie uh hold up some of them hold up really well some of them look like dog shit today but you're like oh that was the cutting edge back then is that the one where superman turns back time by making the earth revolve backwards yes and that is a creative choice that i will always defend i think that it is thematically relevant to that but that's a different discussion because the second one is with them being trapped in the mirror right the villains yeah in the phantom zone yeah in the phantom zone but it's it's a it's a square mirror yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah, it, it flattens it flattens them out it's basically I, yeah they're trapped in a mirror i kind of <laughs> wish though that this had lex luther at least yeah i'm really confused the only thing i can think of is that this max guy that they have yeah 
was also a reporter and Lex Luthor was never worked at the Daily Planet. But like and that's the only reason I could think of to not make it Lex Luthor. But like at least a mention of it. If he cuz he's cuz like he's what? Like you said he's a real estate agent but doesn't he become mayor or something at some point? He becomes president at some point. He's oh, like well. yeah. Well. Um huh. <laughs> Oh boy. And, yeah. <laughs> There, there's a lot to dig into with the character of Lex Luthor. There's so many different ways that he's gone in comics history. But primarily, at least from what I know of Superman, mm-hmm. which is starting with the Richard Donner movies from the 70s and then a few comics here and there. Um, but he is primarily, I mean, he's kind of Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. And I didn't yeah, he, want to, but they, they kind of like accidentally predicted Donald Trump with Lex Luthor. <laughs> but like, I mean, a, a mention of something else because I, mean, I get Luther Core is his company, and Luther Core like makes everything. They're like to uh, Superman comics what Acne is to Looney Tunes. Right. So they could have just been like, oh, we got these from Luther Core. Or like I'm a I am a scientist who works at Luther Core. Yeah. Or something. Or at least be like, oh, Lex Luthor's running for mayor, like in the newsprint. I mean, granted, yeah. the version we uh, I watched. Did you watch the, the link I gave you? The YouTube yes, one? Yes, I did. Yeah. So the version we watched is like not the best quality. <laughs> it's not the sharpest of <laughs> focus that's happening. It gets the job done. Yes. <laughs> and yes. that's the best we can say as far as the quality. But like, they're not blobs. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, cause like if there was a detail about like Lex Luthor on a newspaper, I probably wouldn't be able to make it out because it would mm-hmm. look a little fuzzy for like very fuzzy for me. But, yeah, I, nothing jumped out at me. Yeah. I mean, but, and, but same, there might've been something, but like, it would have been nice if somebody just dropped his name. Or or some something else because it didn't. I know it's Superman. A, I hated his costume. It looked so like <laughs> like to go from that because wasn't Superman also a black and white TV show? Like there was a TV um, show in like the fifties or so. there were I I believe serials like short films that would go before like actual full length features in movie theaters because somebody um, played him on Lucy. Yeah, Drew, uh, George Reeves did. Yes. Yeah. Um, was it was that was that a movie or was that TV shows? I think that was like a, uh, that was serials. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I don't think that it might have been a TV show. I might be wrong about that. Again, I didn't do my research before. But this. like the image I have of him with Lucy, that mm-hmm. costume looks so much better than yeah. this. What this guy is wearing. Yeah, and that was like I do. I have seen clips of him just like quote-unquote bending crowbars and they're very clearly rubber so like it's not like those were like the cutting edge of special effects no but like there's the the costume costume yeah and like even christopher reeves's costume wasn't was still spandex i think and it looked so much better than this one and I was just like, uh, but what I really yeah. did, I, what I also kind of giggled at was when he took the cape off and it was Velcro. Uh, <laughs> oh, great moment. I, man, belly laughing. Like I did an ab workout today, laughing so hard at this. I'm glad 
I suggested it, question mark, and you picked it, question mark? I very fuzzy on the details, both of us. But somehow you picked <laughs> this, and I'm happy you did. Like, ah, uh, guys, if it's still on YouTube when this episode comes out or whenever you're listening to this, please do yourself a favor and just watch it. Like, ah, uh, it is so, it's a chef's kiss because it's just like, it'll put you in a good mood. I know, like, the last two years have been rough on everyone, myself included. And so this, I just forgot about you know, like COVID and being unemployed for a, for a year and a half and everything. And it, it's, it's, that's Superman at his best. That's what he does. He is a symbol of hope and optimism. That's, you know, as much as like, you know, now the, the thing these days is to do a deconstructed Superman where you have someone who's super powerful and, oh no, he's evil. That's different, right. new and different. <laughs> But at the time when Superman was actually written, he was the subversion. It was at the time, the idea of somebody being super physically powerful was that they would use that to subjugate weaker people. And then these two guys, uh, Schuster, oh my goodness, it's going to kill me that I can't think of their exact names, Schuster and Siegel. Jerry um, and Joe? Yes. Because they are character names in the movie. Who uh, <laughs> and one one is an artist and one wants wants to write about Superman. And when they said those lines, I was like, "Are you guys based off of the writers, the creators yeah, yeah, of Superman?" Yeah. And then and then you see their character names, and it says it on clearly on IMDb. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, no, you're absolutely." I was trying to think of their last name. It is Siegel and Schuster. It's Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster created yes. him. And when they created Superman, their whole idea was, what if we took this idea that people are either terrified of or like, because this is at the rise of fascism, don't forget when this, and he was created by two Jewish, two Jewish men. Um, So they were kind of taking this idea of the Ubermensch, which was the idea of somebody who was very powerful and would use that to subjugate weaker people. And some people obviously were very scared by that idea. And some people were very attracted to the idea of being subjugated like that. But these two Jewish men recognized that as a bad thing. But they were like, but what if we had an Ubermensch who was raised with good values and used his power to help people instead of subjugate them? So Superman in and of himself is already a subversion of this kind of trope. Um, because there like, were comics and other superheroes before Superman, right? He's considered the first true superhero, but there were comics that are considered, I guess, like proto superheroes. There was like the Phantom. Um, Zorro obviously dates back much longer than even comic books do, or at least American comic books do. Got it. Uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel existed before that. Tarzan is like kind of considered like an inspiration for a lot of superheroes. Because like Shazam, what is now Shazam was after Superman? That was after Superman which is why DC tried to sue them for (laughs) copyright infringement. Um, And that was a whole big legal thing, whatever. Hey, we Um, did Shazam on our podcast. (laughs) Go listen to it. Yeah, I think I went really... You went deep. If I remember yeah. correctly, with the special features on that, <laughs> but what it what I found fascinating is the fact that John and Martha Kent were so much older than they usually are presented in other 
medias? That is something that, similar to Aunt May and Uncle Ben in Spider-Man, kind of slides around depending on when it's made and what medium it's made for. Yes. Yeah, because um, I because I was going to pretty I, old. I wrote down why are Superman's parents so old? Oh, they died. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that is, they are. I think this is the oldest I've seen them in at least a live action form. So he didn't save Martha. He did not save Martha. <laughs> that is so stupid. Um, oh my god. Okay, I didn't take a picture of this, but. What the fuck is on Hot Lips' head at the end of the movie? That no little clue. head wrappy thing. What is that? <laughs> I thought it was a mask. I also thought maybe, like, you know how in like old timey things, whenever somebody had a toothache, they'd wrap uh, fabric around <laughs> on top. I thought it was yeah. that. I it thought like it was. A, it was like a kerchief almost, but. She, it was under her chin i thought it was a helmet at some points like however she turned her head it looked some it looked different yeah i i, <laughs> I don't know I was what that like, was what is this <laughs> <laughs> i will take a picture put it on the socials you will see it and maybe <laughs> you could decide what it is i don't i don't i and i wrote that all in, in all caps because i was just like <laughs> what we this is something that we need to talk about also i don't understand at the end when um what is his name dr sedgwick was a therapist Uh, uh, and like (laughs) controlled superman via therapy yeah i don't i have no answers for you i mean i guess he's got his doctorate in physics but he studied like therapy in undergrad because like <laughs> all of a sudden he he had superman like hypnotized and i was just like did i blink yeah he like i know like, i was looking at my phone a lot while watch while watching this quote unquote but like did i miss some did i miss a visual cue somewhere <laughs> no i was the same he started talking about like egos and ids and i was like okay i mean that kind of makes sense for like a funny superman villain but your thing is that you're you're a physics guy i kind of wanted it instead to be because this would have been very comic booky too if he had some sort of like low self-esteem ray gun that he just was like i can shoot superman with this and then he'll have low self-esteem and it would not make any sense it would make even less sense than what actually happened but it would like meet what the what the tv movie was already doing as far as like we we needed super silver age comic books we needed bat shark repellent we needed that yes yes Yes. you get it i get it which if you don't get it watch the adam west batman movie from the 60s oh my gosh what just the first 10 minutes of it not even 10 minutes like the first five minutes of it it but like to understand my reference you it's just the first 10 minutes of the movie then watch the rest of it just because it's it's amazing and then you know yeah but (laughs) (laughs) oh my god this movie i think i'm going to like rewatch it over and over again because this is like a new favorite it's so it's fun it's It's super fun. fun like like they're not 
because you know these days superhero movies are about like the deeper meaning and the messages and everything and it's just like this was just fun like they're not talking about global warming they're not (laughs) talking about overpopulation they're not talking about you know the rise of a superpower a superpowered country that is that we have to just we have to destroy because go america um (laughs) this is just but i would yeah no i agree with everything you're saying but i would argue that because of that it also allows it to kind of have more personal meaning than any modern day superhero movie. Yes, because they because super Superman it gives Superman actual self image issues and like actually has him contend with the fact that he's not exactly who he wants to be. He can't have the relationship with Lois Lane that he wants to have, and by keeping it small, you actually make it kind of bigger. Because those are things that are a lot more relatable than like, oh, we got to go stop this this uh, alien guy who wants to wipe out half of humanity. Doesn't he kill Lois Lane in one run because of 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 sexing her too hard? Uh, there was an essay about that. I don't. It might. It. I mean, it probably happened in comic books. <laughs> I do know there's there's a there's a Spider Man alternative continuity in the comic books where. He eventually uh, killed think... Mary Jane because having sex with his radiated dick gave her cancer. <laughs> I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, actually. yeah. And it's uh, it's a terrible comic, but there is actually like a really nice moment where he like talks to like the passed on spirit of Mary Jane. Um, but <laughs> and I'm, uh, <laughs> that's, I'm that's I'm, a different superhero. <laughs> I might also be com- confusing it with Twilight. <laughs> well. Yeah, no, there is a, there was a very famous essay called Man of Steel, Woman of Tissue, uh, written about the uh, theoretical sexual uh, relationship. Problems? Yeah. Problems. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was specifically that, well, Superman theoretically would shoot his semen straight through Lois Lane's back and she would die instantly. Um <laughs> And I'm I'm sure I'm sure some <laughs> shitty edgelord comic writer did a run that included that happening. <laughs> oh my god, I'm keeping this in the episode. I'm <laughs> so happy. Um we've I, we kind of talked about the movie. <laughs> but is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat? No. <laughs> because I don't know I don't know where to start and I don't know where to end. <laughs> Just, okay, just like picture this though, audience person, if you haven't seen this yet, a mad scientist and a Lex Luthor type that actually has hair and is not bald are doing a soft shoe number on a lab table. Just picture that. And if you're, if that didn't sell you, then this is not for you. But... (laughs) But I think everyone needs to watch this. And, and it, yeah. it's, it's what, like just under two hours or something like that? Yeah, it's really not that long. It's very short and sweet and it flies by. And as of this recording and hopeful release of this episode, it's available on YouTube. So, I mean, you could probably also find it somewhere. Put it in the Criterion Collection. Let <laughs> me buy it on Blu-ray. We are making this movie going to be available everywhere uh 
Okay, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Let's do it. Sharp Flat. In this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. I don't know what we did or didn't. Uh, And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And every once in a while, I like to throw in unnatural, like I will be on this episode. Uh, But Shady, do you want to go first with your sharps? Yeah, sure. Um, Hold on just a minute. I have to burp. Keeping it, but not the burp. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can keep the burp if you want. Um, So we already talked a lot about Leslie Warren as Lois Lane. She's my number one sharp, dude. She, I mean, she was just, what a brilliant casting choice. She's so, she's great in everything she shows up in, but like. Mm-hmm. She's giving like a theatrical performance. Yes. And it works so well, uh, even though it's on camera for this type of show. Right. I don't, it's I don't know so why, funny. why or how it works. It just does. Yeah. Um, my other major sharp. I love the inclusion of the narrator and the way he narrates because it is so much like it's so reading. comic booky. Yeah, it's so comic booky. It's very like meanwhile in other location, and that's that's isn't that also like a trope from like the serials uh, and maybe like yeah, and the the sixties Batman series with Adam West did yes. you know very similar type things. Um, and we should bring like. Okay, Kevin Feige, I know you're listening to this. Obviously, he's he's my best friend. Yeah, it's after um, you, actually. Yeah. So when when is this coming out? When is this episode coming out? July. Before or after Thor four? Oh, oh, I don't know. I think. Okay. Wait. As of now, I think it's coming out after Love and Thunder. Okay. Well, for the DVD release of that, just of Thor Love and Thunder. Of- yeah, just ADR in a bunch of comic book style narration because it'll elevate your movie. I'm telling you this right now. Do it for every M- MCU movie. Just I'm not going to lie. Pow, bam, zoink. Zonk. I mean, Sorry, zonk. I, that song was so stupid. It was awesome. I loved it. I, it was really <laughs> stupid. But was, like... Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I also laughed with it because didn't they actually put on the screen pow like they did in the Adam West Super uh, Batman? I would love to see, like, a Broadway uh, revival of this, like, a full-on revival of this where they they have, like, the, the video screen background. I don't know what that's called. What am I thinking of? Yeah, that video, video screen background is fine. Yeah, yeah, video screen background, but they only use it to do pow bams and zoinks. Oh, see, I was going to go even more low budget than that. <laughs> and it's like... People, like, hold up signs? Yes. <laughs> like, you you have the onomatopoeia ensemble members. Is it onomatopoeia? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, it's shaboing or sprung. Could you imagine that, like, years later, you you finally get into, like, one of the leading roles in, like, Hamilton, and you get to write in your Playbill bio that you were the Zoink in It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman on Broadway? Yes. I would be <laughs> so proud to be, as, to be bang uh, in would, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, it's, it's Superman on Broadway. Start 
training myself to be a Broadway level performer right this minute if I could be the zoink. I'm already designing their costumes <laughs> and the signs that they are holding. Amazing. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm sorry, did you have any other <laughs> sharp, small words? Okay, so, so I said Leslie Warren, I said the narrator. Um, overall, I really loved uh, just the feel of the costume design and the production design, very comic booky, very harkens back to the golden age while brain. So, so golden age is like World War II era comics. And that's yes. when they were superhero, American superhero comics were kind of considered at their best. Um, and then silver age is 60s and 70s. That's when Marvel really starts getting into the game. So we get a little more, yeah. Uh, but also like we get, a little more knowing and wink wink at the audience with things um so it was a, like a really nice blend of gold and silver age i thought and in the, the 70s overall. it was all drugs i mean yeah that's we're starting to get into the bronze age and <laughs> that's that's a whole separate when era. is this supposed to take place by the way i think it is supposed to take place the same era as the tim burton batman movies which is somewhere between the 1940s and the modern day and pick and choose every element is from a different decade because they were talking in phones that were old phones even from yeah. the 70s uh-huh but like they were making modern day references so i was yeah. just like and their clothes their clothes were just like again whatever pick and choose Right, they bland were like nondescript <laughs> enough that like a bit a working woman in the 1940s and a working woman in the 1970s could conceivably wear that outfit. Yes. Uh, no, I think it's it's very much in the same era as the Tim Burton Batman's or Batman the Animated Series, where it's like we decided that this singular element we like the 1940s better, but this element we need it to be modern day. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Mix mix and match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm fully on board for. Very, very, to me, reminiscent of a lot of cartoons that got me into comic books in the first place. Uh, so my sharps are Leslie and Warren, of course. Um, Max's jacket fabric, that print, I need it. I need it on everything. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a little fuzzy, but... <laughs> From what I can make out, it was a fun little black and white number. I want it. Um, uh, <laughs> the commercial break during the song Revenge where... Oh my God! The song yes. stops. Then they go on commercial break <laughs> and it comes back and then it finishes. And I was just like... Oh my God, thank you for mentioning that because I forgot to mention that. It was so funny. Because <laughs> like, if it... I hope they did something like that on stage. That would have been hilarious. That would have, I would have literally died laughing that night. Yeah. Well, that reminded, yeah. Evil Dead the musical has their act break in the middle of, like, at the climax of one of the big songs. So that's amazing. Ash is singing a song about how he doesn't want to murder his girlfriend, who's now a deadite, uh, while he's chopping her head off. And then it's an act break break and you come back and he's hitting like the 11th note number it's like uh, the, uh, the, the the high the, note the there. final number before the final button of the song yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um i also am sharpening dr sedgwick's villain monologue in the daily planet because 
in modern superhero movies or whatever, they make reference to like monologuing. I, yeah. I don't remember which one did it or the or which ones I should say, but like they make a mention of the villain monologue, and I'm just like, this is like quintessential. Yeah, villain well, it's monologue. To a point now where they could start just making references to making references to making monologues. Like, yeah. that's how, like, like making a reference to doing a monologue is in and of itself a tire trope at this point. And it was kind of fun to just watch somebody <laughs> do the villain monologue completely straight. Well, like, they, they, had, they all had a little wink of, like, we're in on well, the yeah, joke. Yeah. yeah. But they're not, like, actively saying to the audience, we know this is a trope. They're, like, implying right. it. Because, well, wait, are you saying that at, even at in the 70s it was tired and dated? Or, like, a, a trope? Yeah, it kind of was. Okay. Not, not as much as it is now. Oh, now yeah, because almost... now it's just like, ugh. Yeah. Even commenting on the fact that it's a trope is a trope. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yep, that's what, that's what every movie villain does now. And then my last sharp, we're still at this. My last sharp is uh, Hot Lips getting censored. Uh, (laughs) I wish it happened another time though. But when that happened, I I was just like, what just happened? I know. What is this? And there was that censor strip that happened. Yeah. It makes going back to like the onomatopoeia. I want like in the like live version, in the stage version, for her to have like a sign hidden behind her back and then just pull it up real quick. No, 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 no. It's the censor girl. Ooh, with <laughs> moving the sign over the mouth. <laughs> ooh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> What's your dream cast? Would you rather be the Zoink girl or the censor girl? Why not both? Oh, uh, okay. I'm for, in what I'm seeing. <laughs> it's like three maybe four people primarily they may have different cost they, they'll have different costumes because obviously it has to their costume has to say whatever word they are at the moment okay um, so it's not like a sign that they're bringing in they but it's are also people. but it's also a sign because you know you know what this is this is going to be a film performance as well wow. so we need the little details for the for the camera but the big ones for the audience all right all right, I get I get what you're saying now. I get what you're saying now. Okay. I <laughs> God, I, I I want this to happen. <laughs> um okay, so this natural that I was talking about, right? It's only it it's I loved it and I and I was just like, ooh, it's so cringy, it's a little stupid. And that is the choreography and blocking during the musical numbers. Mm. Like I love the soft shoe number. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But like Max was doing some, like I know the choreography is also a little nod and wink goes to like, we're in on the joke and this is camp and everything. But like Max is doing white man dancing. <laughs> and and he was literally doing a two-step and he was making it like the most awkward and non, like I, he's not a mover by any means. Mm. and that was very mm. apparent and I was just like my guy you're just literally doing a step touch like <laughs> how are you fucking this up it's separate together separate together <laughs> how are you not doing this right 
Yeah. But then also, like, some of the other blocking, I want to say, was it during, I think it was during You've Got Possibilities. It was just bizarre. Like, wild. Oh, what's the one where she... I'm going to have to rewatch it, because I don't think I was, like, really paying that much attention to this stuff. But whichever one was the the daydream, the the somewhere that's green moment where she uh, is like blasting through dates and like her life with <laughs> Clark slash Superman, yeah. like she does she does this arabesque. I'm assuming it's her because, like I said, the quality is not great. But it, I'm assuming it's Leslie Ann Warren doing like this best movement where her leg is behind her. And it's beautifully done. I was just like, what is happening? Did we deserve, does this show deserve this? Do we deserve this? Oh. We deserve it as a treat. Oh my God. Um, Okay. (laughs) What are your flats? Um, So my big one, (laughs) this would require like like just revamping a bunch of the show. I don't like that uh, Superman's self-doubt actually starts so late into it because I think one of the most interesting things you can do with a character like Superman, who at least physically is so powerful, is take his power away. Um, That's and that's, you know, where you get the best character work from Superman is in stories that do that, because then it really shows you when he doesn't have his power, he's weaker than the average human. And he still strives to be the hero that Superman at full power still is. Um, That would be a better story, actually. Maybe Roberto did that in his revival. He might've, I mean, that's a lot of what Superman two is. Um, But but then, (laughs) but then in Roberto's revival, he probably ended up like doing a mad libs of things where it's like, he had to hide a dead body uh sleep with every woman possible <laughs> um yeah. and then also tap dance in the air <laughs> yes i'd still see it i'd still pay money to see i would that. still i would still shell out hundreds yeah. of dollars hundreds of dollars i do not have yeah to see it please please put send me money somebody <laughs> <laughs> um no i would i would uh i would sign over my firstborn child Uh, do you have any other flats and then my other big one yeah that should have been the main conflict for most of it and then another thing kind of a nitpick because I get it served what they wanted the character to be like it served what they wanted that character to be going through but I didn't like that like Lois Lane just wants to be a wife because yeah that didn't... that's kind of like Lois Lane's whole thing is she's always a working woman like even in the continuities where Lois and Clark are married and have kids uh, like one of the things I love about the current show uh, Superman and Lois is that he's kind of the stay-at-home dad because Lois is her career she loves her career she's great at it she's better at it than Clark ever will be if they presented it though that she just wants a family, right? Yeah, that would I be different. Yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be married and having kids. It's that they kind of made it seem like, oh no, what I really want is to settle down so I don't have to work anymore. 
and Which, the, again, and, it's fine because I don't want to work. And but that, like, but like, that's like even the antithesis of this what we've seen in this movie because she is just like, I'm so in love with writing about Superman. I yeah. love writing about Superman. I love yeah. Superman, but I love writing. And yeah. so. So that just, that, that character beat didn't really track for me. Was, I, yeah. I mean, I know it's, it's what they needed to get her to the point where she was like, Oh, maybe I like Clark Kent more than I like Superman, but there could have been another way to do that. That, that didn't betray the character so much. There was another thing. I, 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 my flat, I would have, I, I was about to flat that, but there was something else about her that I didn't like more than that. And mm. it's being used too many times of her saying, Clark, have you always been there? Oh. <laughs> so like, you know, usually in comedy, there's the rule of threes. This was like the rule of 75. And I was just yeah, like, I used it a lot. And it is like, and it's like a very well-worn joke with the character of Lois Lane that she barely ever notices Clark Kent. So it's like also not even like adding anything interesting to the character. I just think for that, the reason the, the reason why I flatted it is that it's used too many times. Yeah. The first like a lot. The first like three or four times, still laughing, but then by mm. by like the twelfth time and we're halfway through the movie, I was like, I can't anymore. Yeah. It, it's almost like every scene that she's in, which is a lot um i also didn't like the character of max mm, it should have just been lux luther well i didn't like him because of his misogyny well <laughs> yes he's and stupidity like yeah he's very stupid um i also didn't so on that vein i didn't like his song the woman for the man that was i was just like why why was this written that that could have been a cut they cut like 10 songs that could have been one of them that could have been one of them easily i also didn't like revenge as much as i loved the pause Mm. the the actual like i feel like we could have used different words i feel like it could have been a different like keep that cut though in the middle at the end of it because that is pure gold but like there was something about revenge. I was just like, okay, this is a little like, uh. Um, yeah. And then I also hated the who's on first moment where they kept repeating Superman will destroy himself. Seven yeah. bajillion times. <laughs> yeah. I was just that like, was like uh, it's just not that funny. It's not as funny as you're thinking it is. No, no. Um, yeah. Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? I I mean, I really did like You've Got Possibilities, which again, sounded really familiar. And I don't know if I've heard it before, if apparently that was one of like the big breakaway songs from the show. It was. It was the only breakaway song, apparently. Okay. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I could see why that became like one of the popular songs. Um, and see. Because it's fun. I didn't like it as much. I liked Superman's song, The Strongest Man in the World. Yeah, that's the other one I was going to say. That was a... Because this is doubting Superman, right? Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in my feelings yeah, and um, everything. Well, I was the strongest man in the world, but I'm sad. Right. But, like, I feel like if this happened a little sooner... Like, because I agree with you, all of a sudden... 
self-doubt happens. And I was just like, did I yeah. blink? Did I sneeze? What happened? And like did there it- was, I do think there was proper buildup to it and everything because they talk about it a lot before it happens. It's just like, that should have been your second act. Like the whole yes. second act should have been Superman powerless. And then the third act, because I think musicals are a three-act structure as well as movies. Um, yeah. In a way, uh, the the conclusion should be Superman gets his powers back and defeats the bad guys and blah, 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 blah. Because that's yeah. always what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, the other songs were fine. Um, there wasn't anything super standout. Right. I mean, I... I I've been on a, while recording, I record out of order, everyone. And I've been on a string of like saying all or nothing. So mm. um, this one, I was just like, you know what? I need to pick one. But like the strongest man in the world is actually a nice song. I mean, if I could find the sheet music to it, I might like perform it if I, if I yeah. had the opportunity. It seemed, it, I'm surprised that that wasn't like the breakaway song as well yeah or like the audition song pulled from this show right right yeah like that's that's one that i should have heard a lot at stage four when i had to like hog campers after their bad auditions um wait you actually heard this song no 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 it's a song i should have heard after that um instead of corner of the sky from pippin <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I wouldn't have heard it anyway because I was with the girl campers, but I uh, heard a lot of Little Mermaid. I heard a lot of a lot of lameys. <laughs> but none. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. No, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Gross. I am so exactly. Upset. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I'm not going to say like the music was bad necessarily. There just wasn't a lot of standouts to me, and I can see that being one of the big reasons why this wasn't like a huge hit on Broadway and also the guy that played Superman was kind of cute yeah I liked him I thought he was good I liked his transformation because yes they did the Mm -hmm. glasses thing but like they kept the hair yeah Um, usually we see when we see Clark Kent he's a little more disheveled Mm -hmm. hair wise Mm -hmm. and then when he's Superman Superman, it's all like gelled back and yeah yeah. But like with this one, I don't remember. I I was laughing so hard in my eyes. Yeah. But it, it didn't make enough of an impression on me to remember that. No, but it felt like it was at least the same haircut because obviously yeah. they were trying to be like, we were a show, everyone. Actually, wait, before we get into plugs and everything, I did want to read this from the IMDb trivia. Uh, this show was based on the failed Broadway musical of the same name, blah, 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 that only had 123 performances. This special was an attempt to make some of the money back that was lost due to the show's lackluster performance, but few people saw it as it aired at 11.30 p.m. and was never rerun. 11.30? P.m., yes. I mean, we would have watched it because we're night owls, but like... Yeah, but this is like... This is family friendly. This should have been at prime time, bitch. <laughs> you want your money back? Eight o'clock. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Hold on. Wait. Do you happen to know on hand if this had more performances on Broadway than Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? Probably not. Uh, 
So 123 was the number yeah. they said? Yeah. Okay, let's look it up. I'm gonna look I will it up. say that at the very least, there was a Batman musical in the 90s that was planned to go on Broadway that fell apart uh, in previews and never premiered. Um, that's amazing yeah and i did hear the demos from it and uh yeah they're fucking terrible that was gonna be a bad musical uh turn off the dark had more okay 182 okay but which one was considered more i'm not gonna ask which one's considered more financially successful because i would say probably superman because yeah because of all the technology that they used on broadway and the lawsuits and the lawsuits and the bono <laughs> and the julie Taymor and yeah. again the technology it was all like like forget the rigging needed to fly spider-man and uh, any other characters that flew because i feel like some of the villains flew it as well but um like the set was all lights like there was i believe if i remember correctly the floor had lights built into them and they were using um monitors and screens as well so it like it was expensive they didn't they didn't reach like budget (laughs) at all in their run yeah who would have guessed um yes but in our version of superman that we were just talking about with the with the onomatopoeia uh, ensemble we're gonna make billions right obviously we are going to make this the most and only successful broadway musical about a superhero because it's superman yeah to kind of to kind of pay homage to um andrew Lloyd weber's quotes quote to hal prince about cats hal it's hal. superman hal it's superman <laughs> i don't know if you you recognize you can cut this out i love it that is a framed poster from the original broadway production this is only for present john so future john will have to cut this out because it's it's a visual thing Um, now and forever at the winter garden theater other uh, words that i can't read because they're too small (laughs) uh shady i'm calling it we're done with the episode (laughs) oh that's we are done. We but are. But also, I want it on record that I could talk about this musical in particular, but also Superman in general for like my, we, my whole life. You and I will probably have conversations with texting or before and after recordings about Superman because, by God, by golly, this is. Yeah. everything um it was awesome i, I really you, loved it what do you have to plug or promote um i'm gonna plug and promote our podcast that we <gasps> host together called uh-huh. movie deja vu and if you don't listen to it listeners you should because that's a, a podcast where john and i talk about movies that have similar usually similar plots but sometimes <laughs> it's just like similar vibes I love that you added usually. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes we're like, these two movies have the same vibes, even though they're like not similar. Not the same at all. (laughs) Um, And that those are the ones I usually pick. (laughs) (laughs) I've picked a few of them. Um, We we haven't done a ton of. uh, We've probably done more musicals than superhero movies. Surprisingly. Surprisingly, because 
there's a lot of superhero movies that are just kind of the same um (laughs) but uh you know that's we typically stay in horror if we can with that podcast uh so you should definitely listen to that john's amazing on it i'm on there shady's amazing on it too especially yes you 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 bring i bring one point of view which is like the usual common audience goer that has a little bit more knowledge and then you bring your pretentious asshole no no (laughs) no you 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 come at it as like a reviewer you come at it at it from a technical standpoint you um because i don't watch movies like a normal person does and that's great (laughs) because fuck normal (laughs) i agree fuck normalcy um and and your twitter what is your your twitter my Twitter, you can find me there at Cookie O Shady. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I, you can't see it, listeners, but I'm waving my hands over my head, and I'm so happy for it. <laughs> um, uh, you can get in touch with this podcast. You know, if you want, if you want to answer some questions that we asked or clarify some things, did I say the director's last name right? Uh, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Buttersong Pod. Oh, and TikTok. And TikTok at Buttersong Pod. We, I like to have, we. I'm a one-man per, one-man show here. <laughs> I like to have fun across the platform sometimes. Um, and if you, you know, will you give us money to write this, rewrite this Superman show with the Onomatopoeia Ensemble? Let us know. Uh, and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Girl Crazy. It's a Golden Age uh, movie. Oh. Uh-huh. I'm That's excited. But Shady, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun. I really needed this today. Yes. we And again, everyone, just fucking watch this. Like, if you listened this long into the podcast and didn't pause to watch it, that's on you. But, like, you should. A hundred percent. It was delightful. I uh, was delighted. Shady, I love podcasting with you. I love podcasting with you. Have a one- only you. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.